0: Hey what's up everyone this is coach Mark Nolan and back with another episode of Don't Outkick Your Coverage.com. Today we will be looking at one of the more serious aspects in the role of getting recruited for college level sports both from the high school student athlete and yes the parents. But first congrats to all of you who are still playing in your fall championships of your sports and for those Who have just finished their high school careers and looking to play at the next level and have made the all-region teams or have won state championships good luck to you and to all those parents who stood by you congrats on being there with them and their journey i know with our kids it was great to have been part of their journey along with the thousands of student athletes i have worked with and their parents over these past 47 years and you know what? I'll want a part time role coaching youth organizations as I worked in corporate America. Today's sponsor is The Kicker Zone, the longest kicking and punting organization in the United States. And for the last 47 years, has been focused on training the kicking specialists who want to get themselves to the next level. So please visit The Kicker Zone at www.the kickerszone.com or by reaching out to them at 678-200-7540. As we jump into the issues, problems and yes, solutions around the transfer portal and a bit on the NIL, but that's really my next podcast which will be focused on NIL which I coined Now It's Legal in my recent book. And and what we'll be seeing in the Next upcoming days are the Transfer Portal free-for-all, which no doubt will be more like the Transfer Portal logjam on social media, which is driving the Transfer Portal and NIL deals. It is important to take a look back at why the NCAA came up with this Transfer Portal, the NIL, and this 6 year of eligibility, and all within a short period of time, over the hundred and six year history of the NCAA. To tackle the issue in doing my research for my book and the NCAA and its pandemic response as to why this was needed, I found out there were several high death rate years and other global pandemics the NCAA never canceled any seasons for and just continued playing. For instance, in the 1918 pandemic, the H1N1 virus, the number of deaths worldwide was estimated to have been over 500 million, or about one third of the population, with 657,000 deaths here in the US alone. In 1957, the H2N2 pandemic, there was over 1.1 million deaths worldwide with over 116,000 deaths here in the United States. In 1968, the H3N2 had 1 million deaths worldwide and over 100,000 deaths here in the United States. And in 2009, the H1N1, what they called the PDM09 virus, there were over 60 million cases worldwide with 275,000 hospitalizations here in the U.S., with deaths at around 13,000. And in every instance, the NCAA kept on allowing student athletes to play and fans to enjoy the games. And as I stated before, even during war times, they played and never stopped playing. So obviously, the past couple of years, the NCAA has done many new things to increase revenue and fan base experience. And no doubt, With social media driving the brand managers and marketing deals and Twitter-driven likes and follows, which as a hint drives a student uh, athlete's revenue model for those NIL deals, the NCAA no doubt must be looking to grow new ways of the NCAA revenue streams while seemingly to want to shut down the high school athlete headed into college. And I'll touch on that in a bit. But for now, let's focus on what's going to happen shortly and has started to take place in the high school athletes world in early signings back on November 9th through November 16th in basketball, softball, and other D1 and D2 sports. And then the early signing days in football on December 5th through December 23rd of this year. As it relates to recruiting, The transfer portal over the next few years is going to be, as I said in my book, the wild, wild west. On day one of the National Signing Day, high school athletes will commit their undying love and commitment to big dog you. And then once they get there and find out they might not be a fit or not be able to compete at the higher level, they will start to doubt themselves but they will still have to honor their national letter of intent or ask the current coach to let them off. Or can always head to an NAIA school or a JUCO, but if they want to come back to an NCAA program, will still have to sit out a year. The transfer portal is, in fact, different because it does offer the current college student athlete a way to leave their current college teammates and then try their luck in the transfer portal, which really, if we are serious about this, is just free agency. And even in the professional ranks of the NFL, we don't have today. And yes, try and get an NIL deal along with the collectives and boosters at their next college they enroll out. But again, is the topic of our next podcast. So the question is, why go into the transfer portal what I call self-portaling and instead try to stick out at your current school. Obviously some of it is based on adversity and how one as a student athlete handles adversity. Or if this is their first taste of it in their lives, how will they deal with it in the future? Yes. As we all tell our kids, don't pick the school on the choice based on the head coach or the position coach, but many still do. And we know and we know that the swinging gate in college sports goes both ways, with college coaches seeking even larger paychecks than before and making sure the program they are now headed to has the appropriate set of 20-something data nerds in the school's basement checking out minute by minute who has landed in the transfer portal and how fast they can scoop them up, of course, with some of the new NIL and collective deals and making for them as soon as they can commit. Some will all of a sudden tell the folks on social media that after they got to the school, it was just too far away from home. This is an actual true story. And one, which was the Michigan State quarterback, stated he was just not aware how cold Lansing, Michigan, can be in the wintertime. But then all of a sudden, came back home closer to SMU, which surprisingly was warmer now, and said, he's home. Funny that SMU had never offered him in the recent past during his high school recruiting, or did he not know how close SMU was to him? And yes, there are those that just miss being at home and around friends. But honestly, at some point in time, there must be an expectation of growing up. So why not start here, especially if you're on scholarship and playing the sport you love? Maybe it's just about negotiating a better deal to stay. And by entering into the transfer portal, they might get a more of a few set of dollars or a new suite all by themselves on campus or even a new collective NIL deal with a local car dealer where they can drive a lease car free for a couple of years. And yes, I know there are moms and dads out there listening to this podcast and mom and dad might just be helping to lead the transfer portal discussion because the current college hedge coach where your child is playing is not getting the playing time you think they should And lastly, the head coach won't return your emails or phone calls like all the other coaches have done throughout the years of youth and high school sports. So let's just transfer. And yes, there are some other reasons why, but I think this is a good start to lead into the next segment. The increase in the transfer portal, and not just in total headcount, but by how long it is taking a student athlete from entering the transfer portal to getting another offer. And here it is. The NCAA has the transfer portal dashboard that any current college athlete and respective college bound athlete and their parents and guardians can look at the data on. For instance, in the last dump I looked at for this podcast, here's what I found. Overall, there's about 30,563 student athletes who are currently in the transfer portal. And with these next few days, I am sure it's going to jump like crazy. And even more chaos and traffic jams will be taking place on Twitter. So here's the breakdowns. Those who remained active in the transfer portal, there was 39% of the time they're still active or 8,157 current athletes. Those who transferred and received athletic aids, 50%, or 10,269 student athletes. Those who transferred without athletic aid was 11%, or 2,257 people. There's a second category, which was called the unaided at the parting schools, and it's quite telling. 62%, or six thousand. 136 hit this category in the unaided and who transferred and received athletic aid was 18% or 1,806 and transferred without athletic aid was 20% or 1,938. The one glaring piece that most of the so-called experts aren't even covering, which I think is interesting is the grad transfers. For instance, in 2020, there were 1,631 grad transfer athletes in the portal. And in in 2021, there was 3,092. That's nearly a 100% jump. And to me, this shows that the head coach is looking more short-term than they are longer-term for this uh, grad transfer group continuing to grow in size each year. But you know what? Enough about the current college athlete. They have all sorts of people helping them out, namely the NCAA, NIL lawyers, brand managers, millionaire college coaches, all vying for them to come to their school. My focus since I wrote and published my number one international best-selling book, college athletic scholarships, the path to recruiting success in the new age of NIL, the transfer portal, and post-COVID scholarships is on you, the high school, college-bound athlete, and your parents. And yes, the book can be purchased on Amazon and about 10 other sites, so I would clearly hope you can go out and get a copy of it. So here we go. The high school student, athlete, and parent Is looking at the world of recruiting in the current transfer portal and asking what can we do is really the question and here is where i will offer some tips and again it's based on 47 years of me doing this first off your grades over your minecraft and call of duty scores and especially early on in your freshman and sophomore years have to be great sadly there are kids out there no matter how many times or another coach will harp on this they just won't focus on the grades and yes even with some of the schools doing away with the sat and act tests and yet another example of lowering the bar for high school kids that a college admission officer looks at to me is foolish especially the amount of hours a college athlete has to be on the field as well as off the field as i said in my last pot, podcast the average d1 football player has about 39 hours a week of time dedicated to football football practice meetings going to games traveling and then has to balance out their their workload and yes if they have an nil deal are constantly on social media looking to see where they're getting their money from and their grades are going to suffer and so having that solid high school foundation does help in college in the past this was why mandatory study hall for football was introduced and another reason to bring high school grads in right away for not just conditioning and training for the fall but to also monitor those who might not have the high academics from high school so they can assist them with tutors and maybe even a few easy classes to gauge how they can meet college life. Secondly, starting to look at your sophomore year in high school as to where you might want to go. And no, I don't mean just pick all the P5 schools that are out there, but start locally in your sophomore year by getting in touch with the staff on social media in your sport. And if there is a position coach in your sport, start reaching out to them. I would also start to really focus on learning how to communicate with college coaches and not texting all the time, but seeing when and if you can actually speak with them. And while we all know the recruiting periods for contacts, there are also recruiting questionnaires on every college website, and it's a great way to start there. Many times, the recruiters at these colleges and universities don't move around as much as the coaching staffs do since they have a geographic area to recruit in a particular region or even state so try to take advantage of reaching out to them as well you'll also want to see if any of the recruiting coordinators have had anyone from your current high school play at that university in the past maybe on scholarship or walked on lastly if you are in a sport that does have camps who do rankings each year and in each class, you might want to attend at least one or two of them. For instance, in the world of kicking camps, the two best are Coles kicking and Chris Sailor kicking. And while each does their rankings a bit different, college coaches in the kicking world have come to respect what they do. If you have in your sport two competing organizations who can rank you, and just about the same kind of rank or class standings, that does bode well for you. The only downside is if you pick an allegiance to one and a college coach does not like them for whatever reason they may hold that against you. And yes, I can provide several cases in both football and in soccer where this has happened. But in the end, a college coach will always want to see film. Thirdly, in your junior year, make sure you have at least a 3.5 GPA or higher and start to get your NCAA eligibility number. You know, it's a 10-digit number, which is now called the Academic and Amateurization Certification Account. It costs $100 for people in the United States and U.S. territories, as well as Canada, and $160 for all other countries. For those who may not be able to afford the hundred dollars there is a fee waiver you can fill out but i would have you ask your school's guidance counselor about this as well as asking about how they can help you do a direct upload of your transcript into your portal take advantage of as many junior day visits you can for both local and regional colleges and schools within 50 miles or so that you might want to attend the focus is not to have you all of a sudden commit to where you want to go, but it will at least give you and your parents an opportunity to visit a school, take in a game and then meet some college coaches face to face. By your summer of your senior year of high school, you really should have their GPA squared away, a good ACT and SAT scores, and depending where you want to go, know exactly what you need to get into that school. For instance, if you have a 17 on your ACT and I'm trying to get into one of the service academies, direct and not even a prep school, you will really struggle trying to get in there. But again, if you have taken the time and energy to take these tests in your sophomore year, you'll be ahead of the game. There are even some great free resources such as the Khan Academy for ACT prep classes and tons of private tutors to assist. You should also be reaching out to the seniors in last year's class to ask them what they would do differently if they had no offers and ask those who are playing at the next level what they did to focus on the results they got. The bottom line is it comes down to you being prepared, putting out short clips of you on huddle, of pancaking someone or hitting a 50-yard field goal one time or making that save in a game, surely is a cool thing to see. And you might even get a few likes and follows, but it won't be the key to your offer at the next level. Remember, there is a 1 in 57 chance of high school athletes playing in college on scholarship. And even more importantly, with the transfer portal, how will you distinguish yourself as an incoming college freshman over, say, a graduate transfer. My advice is for you to have such a deep relationship with the folks at the school you're looking to attend in college that this relationship will serve better than a graduate transfer who is just looking for a new home for the next year. Don't let them into these relationships. And lastly, If by your senior season you have no offers and are getting a bit nervous and both you and your parents have that senioritis moment setting in, ask yourself why and what could you have done differently and maybe, just maybe, pass your experiences on to the younger ones coming up who won't have to go through what you did. In the end, my hope, for all of you high school student athletes is to get that degree and education. And from there, as many of you always say on your social media post, it's God's plan. And yes, it is. But he also gave us free will. The question then becomes, what did you do with your free will that was part of God's plan for you? Let's hope and pray you left everything on and off the field when it came to your college recruiting efforts. Lastly, I hope you have a great week, and please don't forget to like our podcast on your favorite platform. And until next time, remember to please don't outkick your coverage. This is Coach Mark Nolan signing off. Good night.